0: Welcome to the Nerve to Lead podcast. Here we explore power, pleasure, leadership, identity, belonging, parenting and couplehood and explore stories of navigating through life, finding both authenticity and attachment through the common lens of the nervous system. I am your host. Sangeeta Bhattasarathy, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk about high achievers becoming and being parents. Joining me today is Vaishnavi. Welcome, Vaish. Uh, vaishnavi runs the operations of sampath.com she is the backbone for everything we do over here and uh, we've been working together for more than a year and vaish is also very deeply involved in the nervous system regulation work itself and um, personally for me it's a lot easier to be in conversation with somebody that way it feels organic and it flows so uh, welcome vaish Hello.
1: thank you it's lovely to be here so today i wanted to share something that i observed so i work with Sangita here um, her home office so i come in every day i i i, I get a front seat to her entire uh, interpersonal life is her being a parent her being a partner and all of that uh, one of the lovely um, thing i observed one day was um, she has two children uh, Laya and Swara, um, so they come to the office room right after they finish their school, and we'll be working. Uh, one day, uh, the younger one, asked, she came upstairs, and uh, she was very frustrated for, about something, um, and like she was basically throwing a tantrum. I think she's six year old. I think she was, I don't know, she was un- hungry or angry. Uh, they have the term called hangry, <laughs> <laughs> <Like> mine, <laughs> hunger, and anger. And I, I'm always amused by the ways they are able to articulate their emotions. Uh, so one day she was going through that emotion and I think she had a homework to uh, read something. And for some reason, uh, she doesn't like reading. So, and that activates some emotion in her body and she uh, is communicating that and throwing a tantrum. And then I was very amused by the way Sangeeta handled, you handled it. Uh, You were asking her, um, so in what state are you in? Are you in I can state or are you in I cannot state? and uh, she's continuing a tantrum and you have a very regulated presence you don't have a very high-pitched loud noise you're not screaming at her you're very regulated and you're telling her i feel like you are in a, i cannot state and uh, it like we cannot do this reading now uh, so you take your time and you come back to me when you're in i can state but i'm here to support you and that was something that i've never seen <laughs> i've not seen an adult modeling that So I would just like to talk about that today, like how are you able to um, have that kind, yet a very affirming uh, voice to your child and and, you know you're very regulated even when a child is throwing tantrum. You're responding in a very respectful manner, yet you hold your stand. How do you do that?
0: I think you caught us on a good day. That's one. <laughs> so, um, it's been a, an extraordinary journey to get here. Um, <clears throat> and that doesn't mean that I, I respond like that all the time. Uh, I'm human and I do go through uh, many moments of dysregulation with them. And... Um, Parenting has a really amazing way of triggering so many things that we didn't know existed in us, you know, when we become parents. I think, you know, that moment probably summarizes everything that I have invested on in the last 10 years. Starting with the time before I became a parent, uh, this whole journey about investing and understanding attachment and neuroscience and becoming a practitioner and all of that. Uh, I think has been worth it to have that one less yelling episode a day, you know, <laughs> if that, you know, um, it's more than that, you know, I think the, the, the amount of time that I'm able to stay in my body and stay regulated with them has increased. It's not zero. Um, I, I do go through, it's a function of what I have in terms of resources and capacity. And
1: Yeah, how do you switch that? Yeah, you are here being a very good mentor and a boss. We are in a workspace. How do you do that switch? How are you suddenly a parent and still you're kind there too? How do you do that switch? How do you manage this?
0: Oh, yeah. It's been so much. I mean, you know this. You've probably seen this, but I I, I say this a lot. I, so once, I think I was doing um, a workshop on... Um, early attachment, breastfeeding, and gentle parenting. Um, this was for this was during COVID, and it was for an in, like an international conference, and I was there on Zoom in this room, and um, I was talking. You know, this was early, and it, this was big, and you know, I'm coming from a corporate environment where uh, it is unprofessional to have children or anything come in and interrupt your client time, especially when you're talking, right? So I need the door closed, I need, I need to be on time and I need to do sound check and mic check. And, you know, this whole context switching is very, very anti-capitalist uh, patriarchy uh, way of working, right? Like, you know, you would think about um, our current ways in which the, the work ethic that we, we come with installed as default is, this very industrial British, what what's called Protestant work ethic, right, where work is sacred and, you know, work is different from life and then life cannot be a part of work and all of that, right? So I'm carrying all of these stories in my body. Therefore, when I decided to create a home office on this floor, um, I I was driven by two desires. One, to be a more present, mature parent and be able to maximize both uh, aspects. And also, what I was not prepared for is how much the work flows in and out of life, you know? And grappling with my own stories about that. Um, So anyway, going back to that conference, um, I had had backups, back backups for childcare for that hour. Uh, I had like three backups and all of them weren't away, you know, just didn't come through in that moment. And so uh, my younger one comes running in and she wants to be cuddled. And my older one wants to say hi to everybody on the Zoom call. And I was in that conference being the speaker about attachment and gentle parenting. And my body was so triggered and I felt ashamed that's how much this conditioning is deep you know this corporate conditioning in me and then you know I just sort of laughed and said oh this is the irony and I told them about the the, the plants and how they fell through we continued that that conversation Um, so this is a long way of saying that at every moment I think I am unlearning a lot of what I was raised with around professionalism and you know, attunement and all. So that's one. And I think it's getting easier with time. The big piece is dealing with the shame. You know, I think parenting has a way if you grew up with a very critical parent or both set of, you know, critical parents, this inner critical, not good enough will kill you. It is there relentlessly, right? That's what pushes you to have all these achievements. But that literally screws with the way you parent or the way you show up as a spouse. Because uh, when it comes to attachment, it is safety. And, but when you're carrying all of this, what's lying behind perfectionism is actually shame. Right? So you are pre-programmed to uh, seek perfection over progress. So it means that I might have been this regulated mother, eight out of 10 tantrums in a day, but the one one tantrum that I was dysregulated is the one that I'm going to psychoanalyze the heck out of and, you know, also get so frustrated that you don't even want to invest in this healing process, right? So that's the pattern and I think the more regulated my nervous system is, the more... Everybody around me is neurocepting that. So to answer your question, it is not always like that, but it is practice. And people say self-care. I don't, I mean, I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's no self-care if you can't deal with the shame, you know, and the not good enoughness that the high achievers have so much of. It's crippling, you know. So self-care looks very different for different people. Like if you come with that setting of, this inner critical voice that's constantly claiming to push you and and you're dealing with that then you know that's going to shame you for everything including you didn't do self-care properly you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that was a good one yeah
0: yeah so I think the biggest piece is to understand and deal with the shame and get help for myself I'm a therapist myself and I'm, I'm a very strong proponent of Therapists need, uh, you know, other therapists to hold Definitely and, to, and yeah. work with, right? So to summarize, I think it's been a, a very long journey. Um, for me, my triggers are when my daughters display traits that I am yet to reckon with in myself. For example, attention. And focus is one being messy and the things about myself that you know when I'm dysregulated, I'm all of those things. And I think those are some very shame, shame parts of myself. And then when you see this, and this is common in all of the clients that I see, usual triggers around this when parents get dysregulated in parenting. Um, is the like big three, right? So sleep and food, that's the big two, because both of those are attachment very early, both sleep and food is very early attachment and so these two tend to be huge triggers and then the third one is academic slash extracurricular you know how they're the performance piece you know yeah then there are the others you know strictness and all but you know what when you when you come from this both people being quote-unquote busy professionals whatever high whatever tag you call it uh when you when you come into parenting, I think there's either this I want to control the, you know the the ideal is co-regulation and attunement. So when you're able to have that with your children, you don't need books or rules or you know anything like that. But in the absence of you understanding your body and your triggers, and in the absence of you having the empathy and the ability to attune to the child, you rely on external markers, charts, schedules, rigidity, control, you know, and it's not an either-or, right? You can have both and, you know, you can have the structure and you can have attunement. I'm not saying it's an either-or, but sometimes when this is not the way it is supposed to be, we might over-rely on that, you know? external markers and because your early attachment uh, was conditional on you performing you might also find yourself turning parenting into a teachable moment oh yeah if all parenting moments are teachable so there is a model of the story <clears throat> and there is person or behaviors to be changed blamed critiqued
1: right um yeah And the very famous year uh, thing that I got it from you. Connection before correction.
0: And now a small break to talk about more resources. We have created an Autonomic Safety Assessment for parents which helps baseline our co-regulation capacity which is available for free to download and use. It is available as a link on the episode show notes. Now back to our conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So when we struggle to connect Really body to body connect with children, like you know, nervous system to nervous system, then we default to correction. You know, everything is a should. And every time you hear a should, chances are there is a very critical voice lurking behind it, and underneath that there is shame. You know, so you want to think about shame, you need a percentage of shame to show up in the world, right? Which is called healthy shame. However, when um, you grow up in environments that uh, prioritize achievement and performance, then there is usually a lot of very toxic shame. Therefore, love, belonging is conditional. And that's big, big trauma for anybody who's listening. It's absolutely an okay for you to be extremely thankful and grateful. For your caregivers, because that's what made you who you are in the world—big and external markers of achievement—and also come into this huge realization, usually uh, in the context of either dating or finding intimate partners or staying in a marriage. Or if that's not the trigger, parenting will do it for you. You know, when you see terror in your child's eyes after you have just gone at it, that'll do it. You know that will bring you to the work. <laughs> um, so talking about high achievers and they become parents I think um, turning parenting into a spectator sport is a big one right we know that you know, the, you know externally achievable markers continuing you know uh, that and it's not that that in itself is a problem what I mean by I really want you to understand it it's not the focus on achievement it is the focus of achievement and Um, love being conditional, you know, This sense of I love you and you belong to me and I love you and I cherish you no matter what, sometimes is conditional or contingent upon achievement. Now that's the toxic piece. So not necessarily wanting the child to achieve. It is this piece, dramatic uh, piece. Anyway, so, so turning parenting into a spectator sport, turning everything into a teachable moment, which means it's very hard for you to spend spontaneous time outside of structured activities with the child. And you feel like I can, I can connect with you when we're parallel playing. You know, you're doing a puzzle and I'm doing it with you or I'm teaching you a new skill. It's the only way I can connect with you. It's a one-way power. I'm in control and I'm teaching you things. Therefore, it can come in the way of spontaneity and play because we didn't have very early experiences of safe play which is a blended state of ventral vagal safety and connection and sympathetic activation where we experience safe bickering, safe rough, rough and tumble play. All of these are absolutely essential for you know early nervous system development. And so all of these, spontaneity, creativity, being silly, you know, having pillow fight, so all of those need to be planned.
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
0: yeah yeah. even play yeah. needs to be planned you know if this, any of these traits resonate with you then there's a lot that one can bring to supplement your current way of parenting like I said you know it's not that The opposite to that is permissive parenting and do anything. and No, that's not what we're seeing. So kids do need direction and structure and for somebody to believe that they are destined for bigger and greater things and for us to see what they're interested in and, and supplement them in that way. But if you come from this kind of background, that's easy for you. And the work is to actually kind of slow down and add this connection, spontaneity and unconditional peace.
1: Therefore, you can hold both of those together. Yeah, that was lovely. So there are two perspectives in this, right? I'm not a parent yet. Uh, so I listen to this as a, how I should have been parented or what sort of a parent I want to be in the future. And so, yeah, it's an early childhood thing to, to listen. It's very nice to even to hear you say, I love you and you belong here and all of that. So one perspective is that and another perspective is you know, uh, anyone who's listening as a parent, that will be a different perspective.
0: Oh, this is a fun game that we sometimes play in the night as we go to sleep. And it's, you know what I mean when I say this is like, hey, uh, what will make me stop loving you? And then we come up with all these crazy scenarios. And then obviously the answer is, no, I'm going to love you no matter what. And just yeah. repeatedly saying that over and over again in a fun way is that nothing's gonna make me stop loving you and I'm here for you and it is hard and I'm right here with you. Um, the other thing that you may have seen through a tantrum is not that we need to be saints, do lose it. So you've probably heard me say this and when the tantrum goes on for a while and I, I feel I'm reaching the edge of my regulatory capacities, I will also just name it accurately. So I will say, mm, Swara, yeah. I can help Mummy's here and I find myself going to, I can't help Mummy in a little bit. That really helps with her, really, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and then she, she'd be like, Amma, can you help me reg- calm down? I think she calls it calm down. I need help calming down. And that's ventral Vagal, right, where she is neurocepting my presence and she, that help is available, that connection is available, right? Can you give me a hug? Can you help me calm down? That's ventral. That's the, her ventral system is coming online. And then that's the window. And then we co-regulate and then it calms down. And mostly a lot of times she forgets what she was upset about. And so that's a way of saying you don't actually have to have any answers. Problem solve the tantrum. Well, You don't have to find out whether she's hungry or angry as much as okay this is a dysregulated child who needs connection i'll tell you this right? 60 to 70% of parenting you know, tantrum child dysregulation don't really have to involve a lessons learned teachable moment correction mm-hmm. because yes behavior thing repeated behaviors are important, but you'll be amazed at what you can do when you connect with them because they know at this point, like a six-year-old absolutely knows. And you've seen this, right? Like sometimes when we're doing this or she's kicking me, sometimes I'll draw attention to that. But many times after I connect with her, she would be like, mommy, I'm sorry I kicked you. I didn't mean to. I didn't know what I was doing. And she really doesn't know what she's doing because her whole body felt under yeah. threat, you know? Oh, yeah. and not to condone that behavior I will say that was not okay what you did it's important to say that but not in an you're a bad girl yeah, it's saying that that was not okay and then over time the work is for them to catch the dysregulation before it gets to that point and seek this co-regulation
1: yeah that was lovely So <clears throat> thank you Zangeeta
0: Thank you for joining me today on Nerve to Lead podcast. The music you hear in this podcast was created by Sound Creed. You can find their link in the description. Thank you to Vaishnavi and Pavitra in Team Sangpar for producing and editing this podcast. Did this episode resonate with you? If it did, please share it with your friends, family, co-workers or clients. We would also love to hear from you. Drop us a note on www.sandpath.com.